This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> the darkness called me in. Come and sit here in your body be in this space. I had been successfully living in the tower of my mind for so much of my life, and now is the time to move into the home of my body and welcome its wisdom to deeply heal. Where in your life are you able to harvest the gold in your moments of darkness? The gold that shows up as wisdom, trust, and self-compassion. How can you use your life experiences as stepping stones to your growth, your strength, and your full potential? What hunger lies inside you, veiled by unexpressed emotions that has the potential to become the birthplace for transformation? Through it all, can you wrap your gold in your loving presence to allow your life to thrive with clarity, meaning, deep reverence, and joy? Valeria Telles interviews Diana Lockett, a best-selling author, transformational speaker, and realignment life coach, she is the co-author of Ignite Possibilities. Diana is a visionary heart leader with a gift for awakening high-achieving women to realign and create inner wealth, better health, and a deeper purpose in their lives. Through her transformational coaching, she helps her clients to unwind their nervous system and trust in the perfection of their lives as they return to their own authentic loving states of joy. Once they can move beyond their conditioning, their tension, and their limiting beliefs, they begin to relax into the perfection of their lives and go from a state of trying to survive to one where they truly can realign to thrive. Meet Diana at dianalockett.com. Here's the interview with Diana Lockett. In your own words, who is Diana Lockett? Ooh, I am truly the universe embodied. I am a child of God. I am a woman. I am a mother. I am many, many, many beautiful qualities, just like you, just like everybody else. I just have a different manifestation and representation of them. From a work perspective, I wear many different hats. I am a life and spiritual coach, and my coaching focuses on mindset coaching, embodiment coaching, and spiritual coaching. And I bring the three together to help people to remember who they are, how they are, and their purpose here in life. I also am an author. I am a international public speaker. 
And I have worked for 32 years with a totally separate career as a speech and language pathologist, supporting children who are nonverbal to find their voice. And as I reflect back on my life journey and the work that I've done, so much of it has been in service of my finding my own voice, which as a child was quite diminished, and making sure that women are empowered to find their voice, that my children find their voice and use their voice for good in the world. That sounds wonderful to me. Thank you for what you do and what you open to explore in this experience. I guess my official second question to you, Diana, will be the purpose of the human experience. What do you think that is? That's a really easy answer for me. And it's part of my chapter that's being released. I'm writing a compilation book, co-authoring with Les Brown, releasing in October. And the chapter begins with three questions that my son asked me. He's 14 and he asked me at 1.30 in the morning mm-hmm. a few week, a few months ago now. His first question was, when is life going to go back to normal? And I'm not giving you the answers today. You'll have to read, wait and read the chapter. The second question is, why, like, what is the meaning of life? And the third chapter is, why are we here? The third question rather was, why are we here? And my answer to that remains and always will be, we are here to love. We're here to love. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. And if we're not coming from that state of being able to express and receive love, then that's the work that we need to do on this earth in this lifetime. What is love to you? How would you describe that state of being, that experience of expressing love? Mm -hmm. Yeah, love is both a feeling and an action. It's a choice. It's being willing to recognize when the conditioned responses, the teachings, the imprints that we have all received is getting in the way of us feeling open and receptive and non-judgmental and accepting not only of others, but of ourselves. And I really believe that we have to cultivate self-love to be able to fully open up to receive love to others. We can give love to others, but to fully receive love, we need to be in a state of accepting self-love for oneself. What is your understanding or what do you think about the idea of unconditional love or unconditionally loving everything or accepting everything as it is? So there's a difference between unconditional acceptance and unconditional love in my perspective. Unconditional love is the choice that I make every day to show up in the world and to be in the world. Unconditional acceptance, I'm not sure if I totally would use that term because, for example, in partnership, I believe that I can be unconditional loving to someone, but there are conditions to being with me and that I, I, I have conditions for my needs to be met. And so in that perspective, I can be unconditional love, unconditionally loving, yet I may not be unconditionally accepting to someone being in my life, but I can accept them for who they are, just not in partnership with me. Do you believe that, or to what extent do you believe we have control over life itself in what happens, the way it happens? I actually believe we have so much control, not over life, but over our responses to life. So life is going to happen. 
things are going to happen that are beyond our control. We have seen this in the last 16, 18 months with COVID. Things happen. And the thing that we have the most control over is our response or reactions. We have a choice, response or react to what is happening in life. So I don't believe that we have control over life. I believe we have control over our responses and or reactions to life. Yeah, which are also conditioned, right, Diana? Which are so conditioned. And then we also have choices, though. We have choices where we can get to co-create our reality and our resistance. But those choices then have to come with a sense of non-attachment to the outcome because no matter what choices I make, no matter what manifestations I choose, I don't have control over the outcome. So I'm not someone who fully and firmly believes only in the power of manifestation. I believe that's one perspective. And then we have to let go of the control at the end of the day, which we have not, no control over. Thank you for adding that. Even the um, having the sense of being in the position of choosing we still must lose the grip on trying to control results, right? How whatever we do ends up becoming or being delivered. Uh, yeah, my 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 uh, my addition there is is that so many people I work with are so attached to the outcome, and they it creates tension, and tension interferes with your ability to really have full agency and choice in your life because it interferes. If we talk about physiology, it interferes with your ability to access your prefrontal cortex when you're in a state of tension, a chronic tension in your nervous system. So what we need to do is relax into life not grip life, not try to control, but truly relax into life so that we can make the decisions that are truly in the perfection of allowing us to step into the potential, the potentiality that we all individually and collectively have. Yeah, that's a very helpful advice, a suggestion to relax, to breathe. One that a lot of practices we have, right, in this um, realm of healing or spirituality or well-being, and in the end, it seems to me, from my perspective, that it's even letting go of that, that we need to relax, that we need to do something. Then it creates that space of true relaxation, or, or I would call it freedom. So in speaking of freedom, what is your idea of freedom? Freedom is letting go and being able to recognize and step away from the conditionings that have kept us bound as individuals and as a society. Freedom is finding our own unique voice, our own values, recognizing where we have choice and where we don't have choice, and truly being willing to see other people from that perspective as well. But the big thing is letting go of the recognizing first off, because we can't let go. We can't put down what we don't first pick up. So we need to right. recognize that we are so many of us running conditioned beliefs, limiting beliefs, judgments. Um, Vishen Lakiani from Mind Valley calls them rules, which if I can swear minimally, it's bullshit rules. We run these all the time without even being aware, without stopping to question, what's, what do I really believe in? How do I truly want to show up in the world? What do I really desire for myself and for the world or for my family? And so freedom is really moving through those veils of conditioning to find your truth. So I guess freedom equals truth. And that is uh, another question I often ask is there a ultimate truth or only our own truth, individual truths? 
what would you say to that question? Yeah, I think that saying that there's an ultimate truth is has the potential to being, I mean, the ultimate truth is that we are all love and we are all here to love and that we are all here to make a difference somehow. And so many people get caught up in the tension and stress of life that it creates dis-ease, it creates disease, it creates conflict. And so the truth of this perspective that we're here for love is the truth that I like to stand by. And because I am embodied, I am human, I also forget that as well. So I need to check in and remind myself again and again. I believe that a universal truth is our body holds the information that we need. And when we're not in alignment, and my program and my product and my business is called Realign to Thrive, when we're not in alignment, our body has wisdom that tells us that when we start to listen to it. But so many people run from the perspective of their mind and their thoughts that they disconnect from their body, they disconnect from their heart, so they disconnect from their truth. The truth is we all have the potential to realign, to thrive, and to find our way back to collaboration, cooperation, gentleness, kindness, ease, and love. That's a universal truth. And then the way that that gets expressed in the world is our unique truth, because we all have unique manifestations or representations of what that truth is. So when you say universal truth, the ultimate truth being love, would you add the word unconditional before that, before love? I believe that true love is unconditional. Yeah, yeah. And any love that comes with conditions is a love that's running from some form of judgment. Mm, right. And again, right. I want to just express, yeah. uh, love can be unconditional, but being in relationship, being in union with someone doesn't have to be unconditional. In other words, if someone is in a relationship that's not healthy, that's abusive, that's no longer meeting each other's needs, that's no longer cooperative, collaborative, or kind, then you don't have to be there. And then can you release that relationship from and with love? It's interesting that conditions would be then part of the unconditioning uh, or the unconditional love. But then what you're saying is that from the individual point of view, then we have the ability to see that with clarity and then make a choice and then leave or stay. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I also want to add that I believe that everybody, everybody was born with this unconditional loving potential. Right. And the day we were born, mm. one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Dr. Wayne Dyer, said, our parents looked at every one of us and said, thank you, God, I'll take it from here. And they started to sprinkle the imprints and the teachings that they were taught and that their parents were taught and their parents were taught. And there's no blame. This is just what we call unconscious projecting of the world. And so we continue to pass these beliefs on, believing they're real and they're filtered and they're sprinkled with judgments and with with systems that no longer necessarily represent who we are. But until we stop and say, wait a second, I really want to explore this. This is the spiritual maturity. This is the path of spiritual awakening. I want to explore this and see, is this real for me? What does this mean for me? But I do believe that everyone is born with that unconditional loving presence and and curiosity and goodness in their heart. And then people are given different experiences and taught different ways that prevent them from seeing that in themselves and in each other. And that's why there's so much conflict in the world today. 
So true. It would be a different reality, right, Diana, mm -hmm. if we all mm -hmm. could go back to it. It's really um, challenging to see that happening because now we are kind of in a way expecting individuals to give up their individualities or their sense of being separated from God or from the divine or from life itself, because we have this tendency to hold on to this um, separated piece or um, particle of life and that we call me. So that creates all the conflicts and all the problems, the separation. But then it seems like an impossible task or mission to detach, or not even detach, to let go of the me, right? And, and merge back with the, the infinite. Well, and that's the egoic perspective, right? The me is yeah. the ego. It's the individual self. And from my perspective and the teachings that I have studied and that I share that are primarily through the tantric traditions, the Eastern mm -hmm. philosophies, it's that our ego is our desires. It's our unique gifts to bring forward into the world. And the problem is that we tend to run our choices from the ego instead of seeing how can we use that mm -hmm. to serve the world. Mm -hmm. And it's our unique representation and it's what creates diversity and differences which are beautiful. It's what makes the world colorful. So in the non-duality, in terms of spiritual connection and unity, in the non-duality, there is still duality and that we're individually expressed. And that's a beautiful thing. The problem is when we only see that perspective and we fail to see where we are truly interconnected. And one of my teachers says, you are me cleverly disguised as you. You are me cleverly disguised as you. And your representation is beautiful and so welcomed in the world. So yeah, beautifully said, the duality is part of the non-duality. There's no separation anyway, just the sense that we are separated, right? That sense of separation, that creates suffering for the one who believes separated and everything, everyone else that agrees with that. Yeah, the sense of separation, the sense of righteousness, the sense of yeah. my way. I mean, all of that right. is ego. Yeah. Taking, taking, just having like a literally a little temper tantrum, right? The <laughs> yes. ego saying, I need to <laughs> be heard. Yeah. yeah, it's I need to be heard. I mean, I've worked with kids for 32 years and mm -hmm. I see it. I see it. Yeah. And of course they need to be heard. Of course they do. And then there's ways of saying this can be, that can be received. And then there's, how do we have a cooperative conversation? How do we start mm -hmm. seeing the perspective in the world that is so beautiful? Um, you know, just that we all, we, we all are looking for the same thing. We're all looking for love. We're all looking for peace. We're all looking for joy. And how can we accept and receive others? without making them wrong, which is a really difficult, especially when we look at political and religious dogma. Mm -hmm. We It's very easy for even people on a spiritual path to make others wrong in their beliefs, but how can we find the common grounds? And I think that's where we need to get to in the world to start having those conversations that it's yes and yes. And now how do we make that yes in service of bettering the world? of being more compassionate, of releasing our judgments, of seeing the God representation in everybody, mm -hmm. even if they don't believe the same things that we do. It's a hard conversation. And I do this, I have yeah. this conversation a lot with my 14-year-old because he's <laughs> more so he's cute. more black yeah. and white. He's very yeah. black and white. And I'm trying to teach him <laughs> that somewhere in the middle, there's truth. Yeah. And you have to figure out what that truth is for you. But if you come just from the black and white perspective, you'll always lose the potential to see the truth. 
I love what he said um, when you say we are looking for love, we are looking for peace, joy. That is something that it's very obvious to see that we are looking for something outside of ourselves. But the paradox is that we are already that. There's no out there. There's no um, seeking. No seeking will lead us to that, to love. Absolutely. And that's where that's where spiritual maturity comes in, is when you recognize yeah. that that is your natural state. Right. That right. is your blessed natural state. You don't have right. to find it outside of yourself. But again, because of the conditionings, because yeah. of the imprints, because of the dogma, most people, most people in the world can't necessarily see that perspective. So I think as spiritual teachers, spiritual leaders, spiritual coaches and guides, it's really important to continue to have this conversation, to encourage people to listen, to consider a perspective, to maybe look inside, take the time mm. to get still, yeah. to really yeah. feel themselves, listen to themselves, honor themselves. Yeah. yeah. And it's a journey. It's a journey. It is, right? I like that better, Diana, than, than practices, although practices are part of the journey. You know, they become part of the journey. But if we, I have to use the word for that, if there is a process, I think journey, it's, I like it better than practice, <laughs> but it's the same thing. We might, it's, everything's the same thing, isn't it? We're just using words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like anything else, you go to the gym to build a muscle, to change limiting beliefs, perspective, imprints, and conditioning, we need to create practices. So the practices help us along our journey and they're essential and required. If, if you don't take time every day, if one doesn't take time every day to sit still, to listen, to breathe, I have a chapter mm. that's called breathe and everything changes. And it's yeah. physiologically, that's the truth. But emotionally and energetically, it's also and spiritually so important. So we do need to have practices to help us along the journey. But I really believe that the first step is to recognize that there is a different possibility, that there is a journey different than perhaps the linear one that anyone has been following. And I used to call it a healing journey, right. but I really believe it's a human journey. Mm. And our human journey for all of us is yeah. going to involve some healing because everybody's had some level of trauma, disappointment, heartbreak, all of that stuff. So we're all on a human journey. And when we can see it in ourselves, we can recognize it in another and it opens our heart, hopefully, potentially to have more compassion and forgiveness for ourselves and for others. Thank you for your message. That's beautiful. I think it's the, one of the most beautiful things that I see, witness um, people, human beings attempting to help others, helping themselves and then sharing the message, becoming the messenger of that good news. So thank you for being one of them. Yeah. And I love that you've called it good news. Thank you for that. I'm going to use that. That's a beautiful imprint for me because this is good news. It is. <laughs> this is like if life doesn't yeah. feel good, like if life isn't joyful, in this moment, yeah. then what do you need to change? And it's nothing external. Mm, right. 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 The Course in Miracles, which is a beautiful, you know, a beautiful text that I refer back to quite often, talks about how all, a lot of the times all we need to do is shift our perspectives. Mm, that yeah. awakening is shifting perspective. How do you choose to see your life? How do you choose to engage in this experience? How do you choose to breathe in this moment and feel into your body? It's all perspective shifting. What came to me just now that it's very helpful when we have inspiring people around us to remind us of that. 
That's what you have reminded me just now, you know, to breathe. I love that idea, Diana, that we can engage more in inspired reflections, actions, being around people who can kind of uncover those truths. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. It's interesting. Every time I talk to anyone, everyone I talk to, besides my family member, which I run here after them, because it's inspiring and, and it takes me back to that place that I want to be. If there's an eye here that wants to be somewhere. Yeah. And I would say me too, right? Every time I have a a podcast conversation or a conversation with one of my coaches or one of my clients, Mm. I am, I am truly reminding myself of how I want to be and who I want to be. So we are, that's why these conversations, we just can never give up on these conversations. They're so critical because they remind, of course, all of your listeners are getting so much hopefully out of the conversations, but we are as well. You and I are having, are getting so much out of it. And yeah, I'm just so grateful that we have these opportunities. Wow. We talked for a while now and I didn't mention your books yet. The one you sent to me, a chapter titled Harvest the Gold and the Grief, that is a compilation of essays or stories in the book, Ignite the Hunger in You. But you also wrote other books or you're part of participating in other books. Talk to me about these messages, the inspiration and intention of participating in these projects, Diana. Yeah, thank you. So I'm in the process of writing my solo book, but it's taking a long time. So in the meantime, I partnered up with Ignite publications to write chapters for their book. So my first one was in May 2020, and it was called Ignite Female Changemakers. And it was 50 international female changemakers who contributed to this book. And it was a beautiful compilation of really hopeful, inspiring, authentic, really raw stories. And if anyone goes to Amazon and they click in Ignite, any one of their books, and they've got about 15 books so far, are fantastic. This past spring, the one that was released was called Ignite possibilities. And that chapter is called Breathe and Everything Changes. And it's about a really difficult time in my life in about eight years ago, where I actually lost everything and had to go through a really difficult bankruptcy and loss of four businesses, my home, my vehicles, my life as I knew it, friends. And I I feel it's really important for me to share this information because people will look at me on stage or when I'm coaching or the products that I put out and they'll say, yeah, look how easy it is. And I want to let people know that it, it wasn't always easy. And some of the greatest teachings and gifts that I've received have been through the challenges in my life. And Les Brown, who I really admire a lot as a motivational speaker, says people who are religious are afraid of hell. People who are spiritual have been to hell and back. Mm, and right. I really feel like that right. that those of us who have had those experiences in life that have taken us to our knees have a responsibility to share with others, to let them know, first of all, I get it. I really get it. And you will grow through this and you have to go through it to grow through it. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I'm not a big, a big fan of saying to someone in the moment, everything happens for a reason. That's great. That's a spiritual perspective. But there's a time and a place to say that in the moment, what we need is to feel what we are feeling Mm -hmm. to be able to heal it. And so that takes me to my next book, which is the one that's coming out in October with Les Brown for Ignite the Hunger Within. And that book, that chapter was all about my experience in the last year and a half, wherein 
the t- in about four months, my 15-year relationship ended, not my choice. My father died, my 16-year-old cat died, and my daughter, who was my best friend, moved 4,400 kilometers away. And I found myself collapsed in grief. And instead of trying to fix it, and I'm, I'm giving a little summary here for your listeners, because I yeah. think this is such an important message. And it wasn't just current grief. I mean, of course, there was enough there to be in grief. But then there was COVID on top of that and the loss right. of life as I knew it, just like you. Yeah. And then there was all of my grief from my life previously that I had never processed. And undigested and unprocessed emotional experiences lay in the body. And they come out when the time is ready. And so I really mm-hmm. believe that all healing has its time. And that was my time. And so mm-hmm. I woke up every morning and instead of trying to fix my grief, numb my grief, distract from my grief, make it go away, give it a timeline. I said, good morning, what do you need today? And I gave my grief really what I call unconditional loving presence. Mm. And in that loving presence, I was able to really give the attention that it needed to heal. Is it fully healed? Probably not. Am I in a really complete place in this moment? Absolutely. And what happens when we give our various emotional ranges, attachments, so emotional range like grief and anger and disappointment and jealousy, all the various emotional ranges, when we can't attend to them, we can start to learn through them. And what we can learn can open up, reveal and unveil to us possibilities in our life that we weren't necessarily aware of. So you'll have to read the chapter. I'm not going to give you the the ending of this chapter, but it really opened up a portal of possibilities for me that I hadn't really considered before. And my life has changed like immensely since the time, really since last fall, when I gave myself really last summer through the fall, where I gave myself the time and attention, patience and kindness to be in relationship with my grief. And I also want to let people know that I wasn't in it 24 hours a day. I learned how to turn it on and turn it off in a way that I could still function as a parent, as a coach, you know, do the roles that I had to play. But then I would consciously turn it on. So it was in my conscious awareness, let's turn it on and go there now. And now let's take a little break. So I wasn't collapsed by it because what happens when we get collapsed by it is we become incapable of moving through it. We get literally defined and sucked into it. So there's a journey, there's a process, there's a technique where we can turn it on and turn it off. That's one of the things that I coach women in doing is how to find relationship with their emotional experiences that are healthy, that are conscious, not taking over them, but they have some control over, but still moving towards allowing them to be expressed and healed. In the chapter you sent to me, which I'm not disclosing everything, of course, but I love many passages in there. But there is one that I I wrote many here, but this one that I really caught my attention when you say, the darkness called me in. Come and sit here in your body, in this space. I had been successfully living in the power of my mind for so much of my life. And now was the time to move into the home of the body and welcome its wisdom to deeply heal. You talked about the body before, and we often ignore the body. We tend to do that, especially spiritual teachers for some reason, or some spiritual practices and um, understandings. They kind of uh, drive us away from the body. They tend to teach us that the body's not something to be honored. And this is quite the opposite, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I'm just going to acknowledge that I got goosebumps when I heard you read that. And I love hearing my words through the voice of others because it becomes a reminder. Oh, yeah. And it's also for me, it's a reminder of what I've been through and what I want to continue to teach and share in the world. And there is something in the spiritual world that I'm very familiar with, and it's called the spiritual bypass. And it's where we want to move right to making meaning, making sense, connecting to God. And in my teachings, the teachings through the work that I've done and through many of my coaches, we call that the vertical uh, channel where our connection to God surpasses everything else. But then there's this connection to our bodies, connection to our hearts, connection through our hearts and our bodies to another, which is the horizontal channel that we also need to cultivate. And so just wanting to go to, well, it is what it is, and there's a bigger purpose, and I trust in God, and then I don't have to feel it. Well, we have to feel it to heal it. Mm, So I knew, I knew that that was, I could do that path. I could go to the spiritual bypass. I knew that really well. I had been doing it for a long time. And I also had been working towards going into my body. And the reason why many people will bypass that is because it is extremely uncomfortable. You have to feel your pain and it's uncomfortable. And the way that it shows up, we've been conditioned that it's not okay. I cried. I yelled. I danced. I did tribal dancing. I, I moved. I made sound and people don't feel comfortable with that. So they want to just go to, I trust in God. I trust in the higher wisdom. I'm just going to go to that. I'm just going to meditate and breathe. Breathing is great. Meditation is great. But then the body needs to release it somehow and sometime. And if not now, then it's going to be later. So I made the decision that it was now. I love when you say also, I feel complete in my grief. Mm. That's a powerful message, um, way of saying that. I feel complete no matter what's happening. I'm whole. When you say God, what is God to you? And where is God? Hmm. I believe God is everywhere. God is in the trees and the birds and the newborn's eyes. God is in me. And, and when I speak of God, I don't ever want to presume to understand anybody else's perspective of God. Yeah. So I often will say the God of your understanding. Right. For me, my perspective is that we are all God representations, the universe embodied, divinity or grace, whatever language resonates with you. God is not something that's out there that I need to raise my level, my energy, my surrender to fully to be connected to. God is in me and the surrender is in me and the surrender is in this moment. And it's not something that I'm just going to meet at the end of my life. That's my perspective. I, but I, and, and I honor everybody else's unique perspective. This is where we create duality, right? Is like we all have our own unique understanding. And I don't make that wrong. And I believe that we are all beautiful prism representations of some divine intelligence and light that has breathed us, that continues to breathe us in each moment and has created each of us with the knowing that every single one of us, you and I and everyone listening is a miracle. Mm. You're a miracle. There's a one in 400 billion chances that any one of us would be here and we're here. And that makes us nothing short of a miracle. So my work, Realign to Thrive, I do a process with all of my clients that's called Realign. And it's an acronym. And the first thing, the R, stands Mm. for remember. Mm. We start this journey by remembering. Remember that you're a miracle. How often do people stop in the day, put their hand on their heart and say, 
oh, I am such a miracle. Now imagine if you did that Mm. and then the next person that passes you, you say, and so are you. The world would shift. The world would change. I I think we're getting, like, I think we're doing collectively this work and we need to continue to do this work. To be reminded of that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. right. And, to, and to, it's a practice too. It's the reminder and it's the practice. And then it's the reminder and it's the practice mm-hmm, because yeah. we all get triggered. Because of our conditioning, we get yeah. triggered. I love your message, Diana. Thank you, your work, your message, your wisdom. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. Your voice is so soothing and calming. And I just, I feel so relaxed in your presence. So yours. I love your voice too. <laughs> the way you speak and the, the expression is so clear. So at the end of uh, the chapter you wrote, you have Ignite Action Steps too. So those are very helpful. I'm speaking mm-hmm. of practices and mm-hmm. just mentioning that. I have a few more questions for you, Diana, but before that, would you like to add anything? I really want um, people listening to remember that wherever you are and whatever you're going through and whatever you've done, you are still a miracle. Your natural state is that of essential goodness. And if you can place your hand on your heart right now and take one breath and remember that, then you get to go out into the world and create the change. We become the change by recognizing what's true inside us. And then we can greet others from that perspective. So I'm really grateful that people are listening and I oh, I just feel so uh-huh. hopeful. I feel uh-huh. so hopeful when we have these conversations that we are yeah. making a difference in the world. Doing what we are called to do naturally, right? Yeah, exactly. So two more questions for you, the ending questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any changes or do anything in a different way? Mm. What a great question. I believe, and the work that I do with my clients, is that we should all, and I don't like to use should a lot, by the way, I often say, why are we shooting all over ourselves? Okay, let's change should. My invitation, my invitation is what if we all lived our life as if it was our last day? Yes. And then you get to reflect. We all Mm. get to reflect. What Mm. legacy do we want to live? In other words, how do we long to be remembered? So I actually do this as a coaching practice with my clients, my spiritual clients, They need to go out and you can do this. Those of you listening, ask three or four people in your life, how have I impacted you? What have I taught you? What would you remember about me if I was to leave this planet today? And I feel like that becomes such a beautiful teaching of how we are projecting or showing up in the world. And then how do we, each of us, you, me, those listening, how do you long to be remembered? And let that be your radar, your North Star of how to live every day. We all make mistakes. We're all going to react and then we get a chance to repair. And at the end of the day, if I feel like I have done everything I can to be, to stay in a state of love, to remember my legacy, to remember how I long to be remembered, then I am totally complete to go any day. I am not attached to living and I understand that death is part of our living experience. And yeah, asking that question every moment even, because we we never know, right? It's not even the day, it could be a moment. We are here and then we might not be. And the reality mm. is in spiritual teaching, birth, sustenance and death is something that we are always going through. And I always tell people, look mm. at your breath as the closest example. Mm. Every inhale is, breath, is, is the birth. 
the space in between your breath is the sustenance and the exhale is death, giving way to new birth. So there's just this cycle, this recurring cycle in life that I, I love my life. And if I die tomorrow, it's okay because I've loved my life. And if we remove the my, that will be even more profound. I love life. Yes, I love life. Thank you. Which includes Thank everything, you. right? Diana? Yeah. You cannot see me, but my hands are in namaste and I'm bowing <laughs> to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And one more question for you. What is another word for healing? I believe healing is, I said earlier, the healing journey is the human journey. Yeah. And so... Healing is part of our human journey. Healing is remembering. Healing is love, loving what is, being willing to see the teachings and the growth opportunities. And yeah, loving what is. Like that's a, um, I think healing is loving what is in this moment. Even if it's not what you expected it, meaning the past or the present, to be. Because anything of otherwise, anything else is resistance. Yeah. And resistance is what creates suffering. Yes, a billion times to that. Yes. Yeah, Diana. And thank you again for your presence, for everything that could be felt too throughout the conversation, the reminders that you sent to me without even knowing. <laughs> Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you. So dianalockett.com is my website and everything is on there. I have a variety of products from um, eight module introduction to spiritual practice and spiritual teachings, which is called Realign to Thrive Fundamentals for Health and Wellness, to some very small uh, ebooks, PDF ebooks that you can download. And uh, my coaching is available. I do individual coaching. I do group coaching. I do yoga teacher training programs as well to guide yeah. people to become yoga instructors, yeah. which is really a personal development program disguised as yoga. Yeah. And I will be doing some realignment coaching certification programs in the fall. So people can look at my website for that. I am Canada's only realignment coach. And I really have a strong desire and purpose to bring more realignment coaching into the world. So I will be coaching people to become coaches, certifying people to become coaches. Wonderful. I'll have mm -hmm. your website on the podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Diana. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for everything that you do. Bye for now. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Diana Lockett and her work, please visit dianalockett.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.